You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mac sticking with the NFL here. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, oh, Rocket can. We will rock it out to talk to one of the best football writers in the country. He's been doing it for years decades to be truthful about it um he is a hall of fame voter and uh my good bud uh, nfl insider gary myers joins us here on cbs sports radio how are you mr myers i am doing great jody how you doing tonight good my pleasure thanks for coming on bo- board uh what's this i hear you got a new podcast these days about uh, a guy who's actually grabbing a whole bunch of attention in the nfl with the way he's playing you know, a podcast is probably the one thing I hadn't done yet in my career, and I've been fortunate <laughs> to write for newspapers for a long time. I did TV for 25 years. I've done you know radio mostly with you, um, and I've written five books. But, you know, I was approached about doing a podcast about Brady, loosely based on my Brady versus Manning book, and lots of interviews that I did done, that I did with Tom for the book and then at different points, and uh, a lot of interviews and people that have been, you know, very much involved in, in Tom's life, you know, both professionally and personally. And um, there's a new episode that goes up every Monday. Uh, this Monday will be episode number six, and it's been very well received. And it's it's really been a lot of fun for me to do. And it's kind of a narrative. Each one's about a half an hour, and it's a narrative. And I just kind of pop in these interviews where it's appropriate uh, that I've done over the years. And um uh, you know, if you're into Brady, and, and certainly he's one of the huge stories in the league so far this season, then I think you'd really like this. The name of it is The Goat, Tom Brady, and you can get it where you get your better uh, podcasts, uh, Apple, and the like. Uh, all right, since uh, we went there, we'll follow. Did you do your last podcast before or after it was announced that Antonio Brown was joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And you you know the guy as well as anybody else and uh, those around him who know him too. What's the obsession with Antonio Brown? Well, first, I, I did the, the podcast so far, you know, before they they, uh, they signed him. I'll gotcha. get to that, you know, later on um, in one of the later episodes. Well, you're going to have to but... tip your hand a little bit with me before you put everything you know on the podcast. I need Gary Meyer's opinion as to why Tom Brady is so motivated to give this guy another chance. Oh, no, I have every intention of, of giving you any insight I can on that right now. The, the 11 days they spent together uh, last season – energized Brady because, you know, he looked around at his skill position players and saw Julian Edelman, and that was about it. So he was thrilled when Belichick went out and, and brought in Antonio Brown. They played one to get game together. He caught a handful of passes, caught a touchdown pass, and then a few days later, these text messages surfaced, um, you know, relating to these 
issues that Brown has had with, with this a woman, and um, the Patriots basically threw him off the team, and rightfully so. And I know that Brady was – I'm not going to say in any way, shape, or form that he condoned any of Brady, uh, Brown's behavior because how could you? He was just very upset that he was no longer with him in New England, and he kind of moped the rest of the season because he knew he just didn't have – you know, a go-to guy other than Edelman, and Edelman's not a deep threat, and Antonio Brown, when he's healthy and when his mind is right, is, you know, has been one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL for the last 10 years. And I don't know if this ever happened, Jody, but, you know, when Brown got to New England, Tom said he was going to let him live with him. I don't know if that actually happened, and I'm not sure he was even there long enough to take Tom up on his offer, but he, he just, for whatever reason, became, and I think the word you used is good, he became obsessed with Antonio Brown. And uh, I, I can tell you this, I know there's some people in the organization in New England that lost some respect for Tom because um, of, his, of, of how outspoken he was in wanting Brown on the team. And I, I guess behind the scenes, after Brown got tossed off the team, that it was evident to people there that he was just unhappy with the way the whole thing transpired. And what I'm really surprised about is that Bruce Arians was pretty outspoken a few months ago that Antonio Brown would not fit on that team. He would not be a good fit in the locker room. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Tom Brady playing general manager was very influential in I'm sure recommending Antonio Brown. A wide receiver is probably one of the strengths of that team, but they've had injuries with um, Mike Evans and um, and Chris Godwin over the first six to seven weeks of the season. And he's a great insurance policy as long as he behaves himself. All right, we'll see about it. That him behaving himself part of it, which I have my mm-hmm. doubts, but we shall see. Yeah, sure. uh, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Patriots because I was going to go there next. I saw some quotes from Bill Belichick today that uh, explaining the sub-500 record he's toting up there in New England this late in the season hasn't been since he got there, uh, that the Patriots have become tremendously hampered by the cap, that they have major cap issues. That's why they couldn't find players to fill needs and the like. Well, they were always hampered by the cap. Uh, two things come to mind. Number one, that's kind of weak on Belichick's part that he's making excuses. And number two, it's almost like a bell shot at Brady because they had dead cap money left over from him deciding to not come back and play for the Patriots this year. Am I being, being too critical of Coach Belichick? No, I don't think so. And, and you know, Brady gave them such a break over the years. He never played at market value. Jimmy Garoppolo was making it was a year more than Brady at the end of his time in, in New England. And he got Cam Newton, you know, for pennies on the dollar. And I'm not sure what, what Tom's cap number is, the dead cap money number is in New England. But, I mean, I don't have any sympathy for Belichick when it comes to that. Um, the Patriots have never paid big, big money to anybody. And you can say they paid it to Brady, but it was still way under market value. Yep. Um, and listen, after twenty, after the last 20 years, there's, there's nobody that's going to show any sympathy whatsoever 
to Belichick finding out how the other 90% live. And um, if he's got to take a step back and, and rebuild through the draft and with uh, quality free agent signings in the next couple of years, then, um, then that's what everybody else has to do. And he was able to sustain it this long with a changing cast of characters simply because he had the best quarterback of all time. And for the most part, he could throw anybody on the field and Tom would make him better. And it just ran its course. And towards the end of last season, the Patriots really slumped. They could have uh, clinched a first round bye, and they lost at home to the Dolphins in the final game of the season. And so they got stuck in the wild card round. They lost at home to the Titans and they were done. And that was the end of Tom Brady there. And now Belichick has got to rebuild. And NFL, we'll, see what, we'll see what he can do with that. NFL writer Gary Myers, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, staying in the AFC, the Browns currently sit at 5-2. and two. Now, that's only good for third place in the AFC North because that's a damn good division. At least the top three teams are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Ravens and Steelers, one or two of them is going to have to take a loss since they play each other uh, uh, tomorrow. Are the Browns for real? Is Kevin Stefanski something that none of the previous head coach shots that they took in Cleveland over the last 15, 20 years, is Stefanski just better than that? Or are the Browns still a to-be-determined 5-2? and two? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I know he was, Stefanski is very well respected as a quote-unquote coach-in-waiting when he was in Minnesota, um, but you have to remember that the Browns have been drafting at the top for it, it seems like since they came back into the league in 1999. And it, it, at some point, that has to pay off for you as long as you stop taking Trent Richardson and, and people like that. And so they, they do have a lot of talent on that team. And although Odell Beckham is an extraordinary talent. I think there was a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield to get him the ball because we know when he's not all about winning, I think he's all about winning and also making a major contribution, which you can understand. But but now that he's not there anymore, um, I think that opens us up for, for Mayfield to kind of play a little freer and looser and not feel he's got to get Beckham 10 targets a game. And they had a very low completion percentage between the two of them. And, you know, a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, a rookie from Michigan, caught the winning touchdown pass last week. And, you know, I watched Michigan play a bunch over the last, you know, four or five years. And he's a really talented receiver. And, you know, this could be a revelation in Cleveland with other guys getting an opportunity now that Beckham is out for the year with the ACL. Nobody's happy he got hurt, obviously. You never want to see anybody get hurt. But it it might allow Mayfield to spread the ball around a lot more without feeling the pressure of getting it to one guy. Gary Myers, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Gary, right now the NFC West looks to be one of the better divisions we've had in football for the last couple of years, if not Mm -hmm. decade-plus. And there's a chance that all four teams could win as many as 10 games, which would be amazing. Now they have an extra playoff team this year. So Mm -hmm. if they all win 10, they could actually all get in. Three is a wild card in your divisional winner. Uh, But whoever is just below whoever wins the division is going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. 
and play the probable winner of the NFC least, a.k.a. East. And it could be a 10 or 11 win team against a six win team. And they're going to have to play in the home stadium of that six win team. Is this the year the NFL finally realizes, all right, we put too much emphasis on winning the division. You, you win, you get in, you get your punch of chance, but it doesn't necessarily mean you should get a home game. Will this be the year that the NFL revisits that? I, I don't think that's ever going to change because they still want to put a premium on winning division. And where it, it seems that we have this conversation frequently, there aren't that many years, Jody, where there's, a, where there's going to be a, such a huge disparity as there will be between the NFC East winner and whoever they host um, in the wild card round, since only the number one seed we're going to buy this year. Um, I, I, I like, maybe I'm more of a traditionalist. Um, I, I like the idea of division winners uh, get that get that home game um, and that you recede in the succeeding rounds. But, um, you know, a wild card team can never host a division winner. I still like that because I think, you know, in 90% of the years or maybe higher, it all works out the way it's supposed to work out. And we've had a few situations in the past when uh, a sub-500 team hosts a wild card game and, um, and, and, you know, the other thing, Jody, is that now you, you'll know more about this than I do, maybe. I know Philadelphia is allowing some fans in, but not a lot, right? 6,500, 6, um, 7,500 in the building. And that includes players and family members and the like. So somewhere between uh, 6,500 and 5,500 fans. Okay. Well, the Giants are not. I don't think Washington is. And the Cowboys are, but the Cowboys have played their worst football this year at home. They seem to fall behind by three touchdowns in the first half every week and then try to fight their way back. So unlike in, in most years where you get to face a, a really vociferous crowd in Philadelphia for sure and in New York and Washington and, and Dallas, I don't think that going on the road for any of these teams that have to play the NFC East is going to be anywhere near as difficult this year for two reasons. The NFC East champions is going to stink because the division stinks. And then the second thing is they won't have to face an intimidating crowd. And I definitely put of the four, I would put Philadelphia at the top of the list of being the toughest place to play out of those four. And see, they're not going to have to deal with that. So I don't think that's going to be a huge factor this year, but now going forward, um, assuming things get back to normal in 2021, and we all hope that they do, then that could be a different story if the NFC East or any division really struggles. I mean, this is the NFC East right now is historically bad, not just for them, but right. for any division. I mean, they're really, really bad. And, um, you know, we still have a bunch of weeks to go in the season, you know, still two months to go, and maybe one of them will catch fire. And you figure it's not going to be the Giants and it's not going to be Dallas because of all the injuries at quarterback. Washington is playing a little better and they're inspired by, you know, Ron Rivera and his, his cancer fight that, you know, he's fighting it during the season and still coaching on Sundays, which has to be really inspirational to those players. And then, you know, Philadelphia is right now, you'd have to say, you know, has the best quarterback in the division in Carson Wentz, even though I think he's regressed since his, 
first couple of years. So um, I, I don't think any team has ever won the division winning six games. I think there's been a seven and eight, seven, eight and one winner. But I mean, it's, uh, you can see that the NFC East winner can only have six victories. And yeah. They'll, they'll probably get bounced in the first round anyhow. I think Eagles are taking it at six, nine and one. Mark that one down. All right. Uh, okay. well, this lengthy conversation we just had about home field advantage and like, is there a chance there is no home field advantage because the NFL decides to go to a bubble for the playoffs? I don't see that happening like it happened in basketball and then, you know, baseball. I just think there's too many moving parts with a football team. There's there's many more players, a much bigger support staff. I think it would be very difficult. Now, what I can see happening for sure is that the teams that appear to be the ones that are the playoff contenders going into the final week of the regular season, they start quarantining um, in a local hotel in their home city. And they go from kind of like a training camp setup where they go from the, from the hotel to the facility and back to the hotel and they can't go out at night and they do their meals together. And the team buys out a hotel, which shouldn't be very difficult considering not many people are traveling. I can see that kind of a bubble, which would probably be just as effective as putting all teams in one city and having a bubble. And the only difference being the road team's got to travel, but if they're just among themselves on an airplane and then getting to the hotel on the road and, and proper precautions, precautions are being taken there. I think that that could work and it'd be effective, very effective. Um, they'll never have a situation in the NFL like they had with NBA in the NBA, where they put all those teams in, in Orlando for what was it, like three months yeah. and they got to leave as they got eliminated. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, just too many people, uh, bigger size teams and the like. All right, last thing. Um, yep. Russell Wilson's having a phenomenal year. I know he got beat on Sunday night football. He finally mm-hmm. couldn't outscore his own bad defense. Um, your boy, Brady, down in Tampa is drawing a lot of attention as well he should because he's got the Bucks in first place. And even Aaron Rodgers is having a dynamite season. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of uh, got a flat tire the other night uh, on Sunday night football when – uh, they dominated first two drives and then couldn't move the ball at all thereafter, but he bounced back. Last week had a big week. Right. Is Pat Mahomes cool with flying under the radar after everything that he did last year and took down the championship <laughs> and the like? I thought it was going to be NFL 2020 equals Pat Mahomes. Not really. You think he's cool with that? I, don't, I honestly don't think he cares. Um, Brady's only won the MVP, I think. I think maybe three times, and he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, remember, it's Patrick. His mother doesn't like Pat. Oh, sorry, um, Patrick. Patrick Mahomes has already been the regular season MVP, and he's already been the Super Bowl MVP. Um, as long as they keep winning and are in contention for the Super Bowl and win some more Super Bowls, I don't really think he cares about the, any hardware except the Vince Lombardi trophy. And by the end of this year, I mean, we're only seven weeks in out of 17. We could be talking again December 10th, and you can say to me, can you believe, you know, at the end of October, we were saying that Patrick Mahomes was flying under the radar, and now he we, is. You know, he's got a chance to be the unanimous MVP. Uh, that's Too right. Too early we, for that. 
We got uh, too many weeks to get there, but that's the beauty of it. You have your conversations. You wait four weeks. You have another conversation. And it could be. And let me just say something about Russell Wilson. Oh, he's been fantastic so far. And you're right. The defense in Seattle is not holding up its end. But he threw two horrific interceptions last week. One True. of which should have been returned for a touchdown, um, but Metcalf uh, ran down uh, Buda Baker. And then the interception that he threw in overtime that wound up costing him the game, that was a, that was a terrible throw. And I, I would say if we were going to vote for the MVP right now, that he went from being the unanimous winner after six weeks to a dogfight with, with Brady and maybe one or two others we can name who, um, who have been playing very well. But um, – I, I will tell you this, and I'm not just saying this because I did a book on him and I did a podcast on him. I'm doing a podcast on him. I would not be shocked at all if Brady winds up as the MVP and the Bucks wind up in the Super Bowl. He is so super motivated right now, and he's got the best talent around him that he's had since he had Randy Moss and Wes Walker in 2007. And it's almost an embarrassment of riches of where to go with the football. And in the past few years in New England, he didn't know where to throw it to because he had nobody. Now he might not know where to throw it to because he's got too many people and he's got a lot of people to try to keep happy. I mean, Mike Evans really hasn't – he's had a couple of good games, but he's had a couple of games with one or two catches. He had one game, Jody, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. That was Mike Evans' line in one game. And when he gets rolling and he gets healthy because he's had a bad ankle, I mean, they're going to be almost impossible to stop. And uh, I would not be shocked if they're the first team in Super Bowl history to play the game on its home field. Mr. Myers, I will get you on in about uh, five or six weeks, and we'll see where the MVP race sits then for your podcast, The GOAT, Tom Brady. Um, hoping he's still very much in the running, if not the front runner at the time. Thanks for coming on with us tonight. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, Jody. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, NFL writer and author Gary Myers here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mack coming back. We'll get the phones restoked. Get aboard with me. 855-212-4227. That'll put you on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 